section forty two of guy mannering this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by dion gines salt lake city utah guy mannering or the astrologer by sir walter scott volume two chapter ten i am going to the parliament you understand this bag if you have any business depending there be short and let me hear it and pay your fees little french lawyer shall you be able to carry this honest fellow's cause for him said mannering why i don't know the battle is not to the strong but he shall come off triumphant over jock of dawston if we can make it out i owe him something it is the pest of our profession that we seldom see the best side of human nature people come to us with every selfish feeling newly pointed and grinded they turn down the very calkers of their animosities and prejudices as smiths do with horses shoes in a white frost many a man has come to my garret yonder that i have at first longed to pitch out at the window and yet at length have discovered that he was only doing as i might have done in his case being very angry and of course very unreasonable i have now satisfied myself that if our profession sees more of human folly and human roguery than others it is because we witness them acting in that channel in which they can most freely vent themselves in civilized society law is the chimney through which all that smoke discharges itself that used to circulate through the whole house and put every one's eyes out no wonder therefore that the vent itself should sometimes get a little sooty but we will take care our lidsdale man's cause is well conducted and well argued so all unnecessary expense will be saved he shall have his pineapple at wholesale price will you do me the pleasure said mannering as they parted to dine with me at my lodgings my landlord says he has a bit of red deer venison and some excellent wine venison eh answered the counsellor alertly but presently added but no it's impossible and i can't ask you home neither monday's is sacred day so's tuesday and wednesday we are to be heard in the great tined case in presence but stay it's frosty weather and if you don't leave town and that venison would keep till thursday you will dine with me that day under certification well then i will indulge a thought i had of spending a week here and if the venison will not keep why we will see what else our landlord can do for us oh the venison will keep said playdell and now good-bye look at these two or three notes and deliver them if you like the addresses i wrote them for you this morning farewell my clerk has been waiting this hour to begin a damned information and away walked mr playdell with great activity 
diving through closes and ascending covered stairs in order to attain the high street by an access which compared to the common route was what the straits of magellan are to the more open but circuitous passage round cape horn on looking at the notes of introduction which playdell had thrust into his hand mannering was gratified with seeing that they were addressed to some of the first literary characters of scotland to david hume esq to john home esq to dr ferguson to dr black to lord kames to mr button to john clerk esq of eldon to adam smith esq to dr robertson upon my word my legal friend has a good selection of acquaintances these are names pretty widely blown indeed an east indian must rub up his faculties a little and put his mind in order before he enters this sort of society mannering gladly availed himself of these introductions and we regret deeply it is not in our power to give the reader an account of the pleasure and information which he received in admission to a circle never closed against strangers of sense and information and which has perhaps at no period been equalled considering the depth and variety of talent which it embraced and concentrated upon the thursday appointed mr pleydell made his appearance at the inn where colonel mannering lodged the venison proved in high order the claret excellent and the learned counsel a professed amateur in the affairs of the table did distinguished honour to both i am uncertain however if even the good cheer gave him more satisfaction than the presence of dominie sampson from whom in his own judicial style of wit he contrived to extract great amusement both for himself and one or two friends whom the colonel regaled on the same occasion the grave and laconic simplicity of sampson's answers to the insidious questions of the barrister placed the bonhomie of his character in a more luminous point of view than mannering had yet seen it upon the same occasion he drew forth a strange quantity of miscellaneous and abstruse though generally speaking useless learning the lawyer afterwards compared his mind to the magazine of a pawnbroker stowed with goods of every description but so cumbrously piled together and in such total disorganization that the owner can never lay his hands upon any one article at the moment he has occasion for it as for the advocate himself he afforded at least as much exercise to sampson as he extracted amusement from him when the man of law began to get into his altitudes and his wit naturally shrewd and dry became more lively and poignant the dominie looked upon him with that sort of surprise with which we can conceive a tame bear might regard his future associate the monkey on their first being introduced to each other it was mr pleydell's delight to state in grave and serious argument some position which he knew the dominie would be inclined to dispute he then beheld 
with exquisite pleasure the internal labour with which the honest man arranged his ideas for reply and tasked his inert and sluggish powers to bring up all the heavy artillery of his learning for demolishing the schismatic or heretical opinion which had been stated when behold before the ordnance could be discharged the foe had quitted the post and appeared in a new position of annoyance on the dominie's flank or rear often did he exclaim prodigious when marching up to the enemy in full confidence of victory he found the field evacuated and it may be supposed that it cost him no little labour to attempt a new formation he was like a native indian army the colonel said formidable by numerical strength and size of ordnance but liable to be thrown into irreparable confusion by a movement to take them in flank on the whole however the dominie though somewhat fatigued with these mental exertions made at unusual speed and upon the pressure of the moment reckoned this one of the white days of his life and always mentioned mr Playdell as a very erudite and facetious person by degrees the rest of the party dropped off and left these three gentlemen together their conversation turned to mrs bertram's settlements now what could drive it into the noddle of that old harridan said Playdell, to disinherit poor lucy bertram under pretence of settling her property on a boy who has been so long dead and gone i ask your pardon mr sampson i forgot what an affecting case this was for you i remember taking your examination upon it and i never had so much trouble to make any one speak three words consecutively you may talk of your pythagoreans or your silent brahmins colonel go to i tell you this learned gentleman beats them all in taciturnity but the words of the wise are precious and not to be thrown away lightly of a surety said the dominie taking his blue-checked handkerchief from his eyes that was a bitter day with me indeed ay and a day of grief hard to be borne but he giveth strength who layeth on the load colonel mannering took this opportunity to request mr Playdell to inform him of the particulars attending the loss of the boy and the counsellor who was fond of talking upon subjects of criminal jurisprudence especially when connected with his own experience went through the circumstances at full length and what is your opinion upon the result of the whole oh that kennedy was murdered it's an old case which has occurred on that coast before now the case of smuggler versus exciseman what then is your conjecture concerning the fate of the child oh murdered too doubtless answered Playdell. he was old enough to tell what he had seen and these ruthless scoundrels would not scruple committing a second bethlehem massacre if they thought their interest required it the dominie groaned deeply and ejaculated enormous yet there was mention of gypsies in the business too counsellor said mannering 
and from what that vulgar-looking fellow said after the funeral mrs margaret bertram's idea that the child was alive was founded upon the report of a gipsy said pleydell catching at the half-spoken hint i envy you the concatenation colonel it is a shame to me not to have drawn the same conclusion we'll follow this business up instantly here hark ye waiter go down to lucky woods in the cowgate ye'll find my clerk driver he'll be set down to high jinks by this time for we and our retainers colonel are exceedingly regular in our irregularities tell him to come here instantly and i will pay his forfeits he won't appear in character will he said mannering ah no more of that hal and thou lovest me said pleydell but we must have some news from the land of egypt if possible oh if i had but hold of the slightest thread of this complicated skein you should see how i would unravel it i would work the truth out of your bohemian as the french call them better than a monitor or a plant de tournelle i know how to manage a refractory witness while mr pleydell was thus vaunting his knowledge of his profession the waiter re-entered with mr driver his mouth still greasy with mutton pies and the froth of the last draught of twopenny yet unsubsided on his upper lip with such speed had he obeyed the commands of his principal driver you must go instantly and find out the woman who was old mrs margaret bertram's maid inquire for her everywhere but if you find it necessary to have recourse to protocol quid the tobacconist or any other of these folks you will take care not to appear yourself but send some woman of your acquaintance i dare say you know enough that may be so condescending as to oblige you when you have found her out engage her to come to my chambers to-morrow at eight o'clock precisely what shall i say to make her forthcoming asked the aide-de-camp anything you choose replied the lawyer is it my business to make lies for you do you think but let her be in presentia by eight o'clock as i have said before the clerk grinned made his reverence and exit that's a useful fellow said the counsellor i don't believe his match ever carried a process he'll write to my dictating three nights in the week without sleep or what's the same thing he writes as well and correctly when he's asleep as when he's awake then he's such a steady fellow some of them are always changing their alehouses so that they have twenty caddies sweating after them like the bare-headed captains traversing the taverns of eastcheap in search of sir john falstaff but this is a complete fixture he has his winter seat by the fire and his summer seat by the window in lucky woods betwixt which seats are his only migrations there he's to be found at all times when he is off duty it is my opinion he never puts off his clothes or goes to sleep sheer ale supports him under everything it is meat drink and cloth bed board and washing and is he always fit for duty upon a sudden turnout? i should distrust it 
considering his quarters oh drink never disturbs him colonel he can write for hours after he cannot speak i remember being called suddenly to draw an appeal case i had been dining and it was saturday night and i had ill will to begin to it however they got me down to clarahue's and there we sat burling till i had a fair tappet hen under my belt and then they persuaded me to draw the paper then we had to seek driver and it was all that two men could do to bear him in for when found he was as it happened both motionless and speechless but no sooner was his pen put between his fingers his paper stretched before him and he heard my voice then he began to write like a scrivener and excepting that we were obliged to have somebody to dip his pen in the ink for he could not see the standish i never saw a thing scrolled more handsomely but how did your joint production look the next morning said the colonel phew capital not three words required to be altered it was sent off by that day's post but you'll come and breakfast with me to-morrow and hear this woman's examination why your hour is rather early can't make it later if i were not on the boards of the outer house precisely as the nine hours bell rings there would be a report that i had got an apoplexy and i should feel the effects of it all the rest of the session well i will make an exertion to wait upon you here the company broke up for the evening in the morning colonel mannering appeared at the councillor's chambers although cursing the raw air of a scottish morning in december mr pleydell had got mrs rebecca installed on one side of his fire accommodated her with a cup of chocolate and was already deeply engaged in conversation with her oh no i assure you mrs rebecca there is no intention to challenge your mistress's will and i give you my word of honour that your legacy is quite safe you have deserved it by your conduct to your mistress and i wish it had been twice as much why to be sure sir it's no right to mention what is said before one ye heard how that dirty body quid cast up to me the bits of compliments he give me and telled over again any loose cracks i might have had with him now if one was talkin loosely to your honour there's no sayin what might come of it i assure you my good rebecca my character and your own age and appearance are your security if you should talk as loosely as an amatory poet oh well if your honour thinks i am safe the story is just this you see about a year ago or no just so long my leddy was advised to go to gilsland for a while for her spirits were distressing her sar ellen gowan's troubles began to be spoken of publicly and sair vexed she was for she was proud of her family for ellen gowan himself and her they sometimes greed and sometimes no but at last they didn't agree at all for two or three year for he was i wanting to borrow siller and that was what she couldn't abide at no hand 
and she was aye wanting it paid back again and that the laird he liked as little so at last they were clean off together and then some of the company at gilsland tells her that the estate was to be selled and ye would have thought she had taken an ill will at miss lucy bertram from that moment for many a time she cried to me oh becky oh becky if that useless penging thing of a lassie down there at ellangowan that cannot keep her never-do-well father within bounds if she had been but a lad bairn they couldna have selled the old inheritance for that full body's debts and she would rin on that way till i was just wearied and sick to hear her ban the poor lassie as if she wouldna have been a lad bairn and keepit the land if it had been in her will to change her sex and one day at the spawell below the craig at gilsland she was seeing a very bonny family o bairns they belonged to one macroskey and she broke out is not it an odd like thing that ilko waf carl in the country has a son and heir and that the house of ellangowan is without male succession there was a gypsy wife stood a hint and heard her a muckle stir fearsome looking wife she was as ever i said ein on wha is it says she what dare say the house of ellangowan will perish without male succession my mistress just turned on her she was a high-spirited woman and i ready with an answer to a body it's me that says it says she that may say it with a sad heart with that the gypsy wife gripped till her hand i kin you well enough says she though ye canna me but as sure as that sun's in heaven and as sure as that water's run into the sea and as sure as there's an eye that sees and an ear that hears us both harry bertram that was thought to perish at warwick point never did die there he was to have a weary weird of it till his one and twentieth year that was i said o him but if ye live and i live ye'll hear more o him this winter before the snow lies two days on the dun of singleside i want none of your cellar she said to make ye think i am blaring your eye fare ye well till after martinmas and there she left us standing was she a very tall woman interrupted mannering had she black hair black eyes and a cut above the brow added the lawyer she was the tallest woman i ever saw and her hair was as black as midnight unless where it was grey and she had a scar abon the brow that ye might have laid the lith of your finger in nobody that's seen her will ever forget her and i am morally sure that it was on the ground of what that gypsy woman said that my mistress made her will having taken a dislike at the young lady of ellangowan and she liked her far war after she was obliged to send her twenty pounds for she said miss bertram no content with letting the ellangowan property pass into strange hands owing to her being a lass and no a lad was coming by her poverty to be a burden and a disgrace to single side too but i hope my mistresses is a good will 
for all that for it would be hard on me to lose the wee bit legacy i served for little fee and bounteth will i wot the counsellor relieved her fears on this head then inquired after jenny gibson and understood she had accepted mr dinmont's offer and i have done so myself too since he was so discreet as to ask me said miss rebecca they are very decent folk the dinmonts though my lady didna dow to hear muckle about the friends on that side the house but she liked the charlie's hope hams and the cheeses and the muirfowl that they were aye sending and the lamb's wool hose and mittens she liked them well enough mr playdell now dismissed mrs rebecca when she was gone i think i know the gypsy woman said the lawyer i was just going to say the same replied mannering and her name said playdell is meg merrilies answered the colonel are you advised of that said the counsellor looking at his military friend with a comic expression of surprise mannering answered that he had known such a woman when he was at ellangowan upwards of twenty years before and then made his learned friend acquainted with all the remarkable particulars of his first visit there mr playdell listened with great attention and then replied i congratulated myself upon having made the acquaintance of a profound theologian in your chaplain but i really did not expect to find a pupil of albamazar or mezahala in his patron i have a notion however this gypsy could tell us some more of the matter than she derives from astrology or second sight i had her through hands once and could then make little of her but i must write to macmorland to stir heaven and earth to find her out i will gladly come to shire myself to assist at her examination i am still in the commission of the peace there though i have ceased to be sheriff i never had anything more at heart in my life than tracing that murder and the fate of the child i must write to the sheriff of roxburghshire too and to an active justice of peace in cumberland i hope when you come to the country you will make woodbourne your headquarters certainly i was afraid you were going to forbid me but we must go to breakfast now or i shall be too late on the following day the new friends parted and the colonel rejoined his family without any adventure worthy of being detailed in these chapters End of volume 2, chapter 10.